Yo, what's good, everybody? It is Jet Black Extreme, and I'm back at it again with another episode of the Zone Podcast. We're going to be reviewing Raya and the Last Dragon. And joining me today is Koki Gasu. How you doing today, sir? I'm doing pretty good. Today is my birthday. Chilling hey, that's right. <laughs> Chilling and relaxing right now with the fam, just kind of having some fun. But I really love this movie. So as soon as you hit me up and was like, hey, would you want to do a review onto this movie? I was like, heck yeah, I'm down for it. Bro. Like this movie was really good. I highly recommend it. Can't wait till we get to talking about this thing. Oh, yeah, bro. Like when I saw this movie, I was thinking, I really enjoy this movie. Like, I really do. And when I did schedule it to be today, I looked at the calendar. And I was like, okay, Monday's no problem. And then I looked at it again. I was like, that's Koki Goss's birthday. Shit. We could have made a, like a whole interview today, but you know what? Save that for later. Um, <laughs> in fact, listeners, if you're out there, Tell you what, um, I've been working on something anyways. I call it season zero because, you know, to be fair, I could have been done better with like season one, season two trailers and give you a little more information on what we're about when it comes to the zone. So tell you what, season zero is going to be the origin story of the zone. We're going to be doing in-depth interviews to all of us, including myself. And we'll just have fun based on, you know, ice-breaking, know each other. But yeah, um, Raya and the Last Dragon, this is what this episode is about. And released on March 5th, 2021 in theaters and Disney Plus premiere access. But it just became free on Disney Plus to whoever has Disney Plus as of June 4th. So most people who have Disney Plus... By now, Raya and the Last Dragon should be available to you, so you don't have to pay the $30 just to see it, like, right now. Like, for real, though, like, who who would do that? <laughs> like, uh, who would go for Premiere Access anyways? Because, yeah, $30 just to see the movie right now in your home instead of going out to the theaters and paying half that just to see it, like, maybe once or twice, depending on what you got going on that day, because... I know people who will be like, okay, buy a movie ticket, watch it at least two, three times until the movie theater closed down for the night. And I'm like, all right, well, at least I got my time, man. Like, I spent my whole day making sure I watched this enough time. So, like, no, no. Um, That's when they start taking the tickets. <laughs> yeah. And Premier Access for $30, I don't know, fam. Like, especially if I don't even know if the movie's going to be that good. For instance, the only time they ever did that was with Mulan, and they're also now doing it with Cruella. And with Cruella, I'm hearing things about it. Like, at least I'm seeing memes floating around, and it's making me real curious about what Cruella is about now. But I don't know if it's worth paying $30 just to find out if the movie's good or not. So, no. I... I'm personally gonna wait right along with you. I don't, I don't know. See, look, like, Mulan, Mulan was like that big hit. When you had, you had that paywall, 
and you expect in the movie, you'd be like, hey, you got to pay up to see it. It's got to be really good and worth it. So you mm-hmm. watch a movie, you pay that $30 and it was trash. Man, look, I'm just a personal movie experience I had. I went to go see um, Silent Hill, the second one, in mm-hmm. theaters, right? Because I, I went and saw, I saw the first one. I saw the first one, not in theaters, but I saw it on DVD. So, and I loved it. I mean, it was the best, absolutely not, but it was still really good. I was like, dang, I would have paid to see this in theaters. It was rash. It was good enough for that. So when they announced the second one, the trailer seemed amazing. And I was like, oh man, this looks dope. I can't wait to go into it. Go to the movie theater, paid all that money for it. It was me and one other person. Pay all the money for it, pay for popcorn, pay for drinks. No, that's just expensive. Go in, we ready, we ready, we ready to watch this. Come out of the movie. <laughs> I want a refund, bro. <laughs> Can I get it? I need a refund. I need my money back. Like, this was garbage, bro. I said, no, you paid for the experience to sit down and watch it. Okay, I don't want the experience. You can sap memory out of my head. I don't care. Take them two out. Take them an hour and 45 minutes out of my brain. That's an hour and 45 minutes of my life that I guess won't exist no more. Rick and Morty, that shit. It was horrible. <laughs> so you tell it's like me going to. I was just gonna say it's like going to a restaurant, eating the whole plate, and expecting a refund. But sir, you already ate the whole meal. Like we don't Look. even know what you ate anymore. Look, for some of y'all know, I just started my JoJo adventure, so I'm on part three right now. Just, just quick reference. Personally, I, I'm be honest with you, part three is not my favorite part so far. But I still want to continue watching it. I haven't finished it yet. I just got to Egypt, but. Jotaro talking about like how he's like I'm a, I've been a badass kid I was already at that point I'll go to a restaurant the, the food tastes nasty I'm gonna walk out right then and there not even finish <laughs> <laughs> he would do that <laughs> even showed him doing it dude literally just got up and just like and I'm out <laughs> and I'm like sir you ain't pay for your food I ain't eat the food either took a bite it was horrible and I moved forward <laughs> and I moved on and hey that's it, to be fair, that's fair because only one bite, at least you can still identify the meal. Some people will eat the whole plate and talk about this food was nasty. I want a refund. I was like, it wasn't so nasty if you ate the whole thing. That's true. Now, I have had, because I've had that experience before too, where I went and I went to a restaurant, got some food, and I'm trying to remember exactly what happened. Okay, I remember. I went to this, uh, it was like a Korean spot. It was actually supposed to be a Japanese spot, but it was run by Koreans whatever um <laughs> so, <laughs> so i specifically i don't like that it was a buffet but i don't like going to the buffet i like going to the um to, you know the hibachi bar so i go mm-hmm. and i grab the raw noodles the raw egg and stuff and i'm like this is what i want you to mix together with this type of sauce make it happen and i'm gonna eat it up so dude goes in cooks it up i bring my plate delicious cool now i was with plus one and this this lady i was happy to be with at the time so I take her out and we go, we having fun. She gets her food. She takes the first, she picks up the first bite. She didn't even put the bite in the mouth yet, but she picks up the first bite. And then she happens to notice right underneath that bite, there's a dead fly that's been cooked inside the food. <laughs> she put it down and said, I ain't touching it. I ain't even ate a whole bite. She said, I don't even want nothing no more. I said, you want something else? She said, no. I said, there's a fly in this one. That means there's probably a fly in something else, too. And I was like, dang, you're right. And I'm sitting here eating my food because ain't no fly in it. It's still good. But um, <laughs> I was like, dang. I said, so you ain't eating nothing at all? No. Okay, so I ain't got to pay for you except for this water. She said, just give me a cup of water. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey. Okay. They still tried to charge me. They're like, no, you still went up and got food. Okay, but she ain't eat it. The fort never made it to her mouth. <laughs> you can watch the security wow. camera. 
this. <laughs> You're not charging me for a plate of food. There ain't nobody ate. <laughs> Take this mess back. <laughs> okay, first of all, <laughs> first of all, you reminded me of Mongo's in Balasta, how that's no longer there, but that food was pretty good, and I like how you just pretty much get the noodles, get the rice, you know, you get all the items, and then you just take it up to the hibachi chef, and like, hey, chef this up. Alright, cool. Now, first of all, you made me miss that restaurant, and second of all, I like how similarly somebody posted on Facebook how they went to a buffet hibachi restaurant kind of sort of and they took a picture of their plate having a whole rat fried up on top of the plate and the chef just probably looked at that dead rat and was like well here's your food like no no what no like it's bad enough that you cooked the rat but you looked at the rat on top of my food and thought I hope you enjoy it. No! I need to know what this person did to get that treatment. That's not just something you randomly do to a customer. That customer had to say some stuff, had to be mean, disrespectful. Like, there had to be some stuff that you did. I want the full context of this story. (laughs) Yes. There's more to this story than meets the eye. They're like, this is just what happened. I came to this restaurant, this is just what happened. Me being, me having worked in customer service. No, you did something for that. Don't nobody just walk up to nobody and be like, here you go and serve you a dead rat on the plate. Nobody just does that to people. I mean, there are people who just do that and they're dirty, but they'll do that to everybody. That person probably been long, unless you were the first person that happened to, that person would have been fired and let go. That's different. If this just happened to you and this person has been at this business for a while, you did something. That is your fault. <laughs> it's on you. What did you do to deserve this treat? Like, see... <laughs> I'm not gonna say anything. Like, mm, let's just say, in my experience working in restaurants, there are the type of customers where you kind of wish you you just like just spit or jerk off in their meal or something. <laughs> like, you just can't let that rudeness slide. Like, you would have like people that are just straight up racist. Like, you can. You can feel in their spirit that they're racist. Like it's one thing to be called the N-word by pretty much anyone else, but you can feel the racism when this guy said the N-word. And I was like, I'm ready to beat up an old man. Like I can't believe I'm saying this, but I am ready to beat up somebody who's like at least twice my age. And I'm not I didn't do it. I'm I would just you just have those thoughts like just get the hell out of my restaurant, sir. Just just get out. <clears throat> no, he probably deserved it. He probably deserved it. I appreciate the fact that you held yourself back, but he probably deserved it. Like, you know, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and just make this reference because we're going to get into it a little bit later into the review of this movie anyway. Sometimes you got to be like Sisu. There are sometimes you got to be like Sisu. But then sometimes you got to be just like Raya and just be like, nah. Yeah. <laughs> Ain't got time for all that, bro. Yeah, see, we're going to explain um, this reference too because uh, this is what I liked about the movie too. Not only was it fairly enjoyable, you know, like in a kind of comedic Disney style, but there was a message to this movie that rings bells for me, to be perfectly honest. And uh, we're going to get into it like right now. Um, 
examples of people who been on the movie that I find very interesting because you know how you remember that one movie, uh, Crazy Rich Asians, how they were like a mainly Asian cast, kind of like uh, <laughs> I like how uh, Ken Jeong pretty much described Crazy Rich Asian as their Black Panther, as Yellow Panther. <laughs> but uh, basically one of those movies where it's like, you know, it feels a little authentic when the uh, voice actors or the live action actors kind of reflects yeah. the cultural background of the movie. Okay, so yeah. Raya and the Last Dragon, it has Kelly Marie Tran as Raya, Aquafina as Sisu, Gemma Chan as Namari, Benedict Wong as Tong, and Sandra O oh as Verona. That's just some examples. But you can already tell right there that like that's a mainly Asian cast, and I, I like that. Because uh, you're thinking, okay, well, a lot of people argue that um, black fictional characters should be voiced by black people. Same thing with how, you know, Asian fictional characters, you know, like 2D or 3D should be voiced by Asian characters. And I just kind of like that correlation right there. Uh, Another note, especially as far as Kelly Marie Tran, I did remember that we did do the Star Wars Part 3 and how we were talking about how pretty much social media and the internet did her dirty talking about her performance as Rose from A Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, Rise of Skywalker. That was so abysmal that they just started sending death threats to this woman. And I was like, she doesn't even deserve that shit. She was just the actor. Like, that's the same thing when I was talking about with Invincible, you know, with uh, Aya Cash playing at Stormfront, even though she's Jewish, she played a neo-Nazi supervillain, and I'm just like, why are you getting mad at the actor for that? Why are you getting mad at somebody who's literally doing their job? But my whole point is, I am very glad that Kelly Marie Tran is still getting work even as Raya in this movie. So, good on her. Definitely. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Now, getting into the movie itself. This is about the land of Kumandra. Where Kumandra is this prosperous land. But the problem is it gets ravaged by the Droon. Which is like this evil smoke-like creatures you know black and purplish uh evil spirits that attacks and petrifies people and dragons uh, turning them into stone and the story was that sisudatu the last dragon concentrated her magic into a gem to banish the drone and then in that blast she apparently gets knocked and fell into the waters of the river and she just floated downstream. Now, when no she, one knows she went. supposedly, yeah, no one really yeah. knows where she went. But <coughs> excuse me, y'all. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, apparently, when she banished the dream, it revived the people. But not the other dragons. So Sisu's still the last dragon. 
And during her disappearance, there was a power struggle for the gym. And because of that, Kumandra became divided into five tribes based on their placement alongside that giant dragon-shaped river that they have. There's Fang, Heart, Spine, Talon, and Tail. Mm-hmm. Now, 500 years later, you have Chief Benja, who trains his daughter, Raya, main character, to be the guardian of the gym. Now, what I like about Benja, and also I'm going to mention this with Sisu as well, because it kind of, the theme pretty much is there throughout the whole movie. So that's what I like about this movie, that the whole theme is right in your face the whole time. Like, the whole point is uh, Chief Benja trains his daughter, Raya, and his belief is that all the tribes can be reunited again that he can trust others to want to come together and want to be Kumandra again and he decided to do that by inviting all of the other tribes over to Hart where they have a feast and there Raya befriends Chief Verona's daughter Namari they geeking out about Sisu and the different things that they have in common Almost like they became sisters overnight. Mm-hmm. But, well, thing, uh, really quick before you continue on, first thing I like is the analogy into the story itself. So one of the biggest things into it, because it was kind of like a quick skip over because it didn't really explain it too much, but it had a little thing into it. Remember, there was a whole power struggle 500 years ago um, over the gym. Hart got the gym, and what they did was is that when, they got, when their chief had got the gym, got smart and decided to hide the gym away. <laughs> So that way, no one could find it. He was the only one that knew. And he, he purposely kept it to where only him and the whoever was the protector, which was pretty much kept down just the royal family, like Chief Benja and Raya. Those are the only two that currently knew where the heart, where the gym was at in the heart. Nobody else knew where it was at. That was it. So they, that's how they were able to keep it secret and keep it to that way. Because one thing to mention, the gym, something happens to it, the drone come back. As long as the gym mm. is still flowing with magic power, then the drone won't come back and they won't come and kill people again or, you know, turn into stone and stuff again. So it's like, there's one thing to keep in mind into it. But I love the symbolism of the fact that the heart kept the gym. The heart was the source of the magic. Because at right. first, remember, one, one thing is that a lot of, like, during the time he brings over the feast, like you mentioned, but one of the biggest reasons that there's still tension between the heart is because everyone knows that the heart has the gym. Everybody knows this, but no one knows mm. where it's at. But everyone is also nervous about the heart because the heart is the most flourishing out of everybody. Yep. Now, if you pay attention, obviously, to the river, the heart gets the most water. It's the largest part of body that's near the largest part of the body of this whole dragon shaped river. So it mm-hmm. makes sense, like them and spine. So it makes sense of why it is it how they're how we have flourishment into it. <laughs> However, that's all the people of heart look at it in the geological aspect. Everybody else doesn't look at it in the geological aspect. They look at it as, you know, you guys are harboring the gym, and that's the reason why your nation's flourishing better than everybody else's. So there's all this tension with heart, and Chief Benja is trying to push past this tension because he explains that to Raya because Raya is always confused. She's like, why is it that everyone else doesn't like us? 
And he explains it. And she's like, but that's not true. The gym is not what causes us to have flourishment. The drool's only thing is just to keep the drool away. That's it. Yeah. But Chief was letting them know, said, well, that's what everyone else thinks. So the reason I'm bringing everyone over is so we can finally get a chance to get past that and say, look, this is not what's actually happening. You guys are thinking this, but we're trying to keep this gym safe because we don't want the drone to come back. The power struggle could wind up messing stuff up and we could have this drone back and then we have no way of fighting for us, defending ourselves anymore. We're going to get screwed. He's trying to keep everyone safe while at the same time still trying to keep his family safe. So that was one of the biggest things I loved as far as the symbolism because that was a true representation of heart. Your heart. Mm. You know, I said, let your heart be a guide. Your heart's always going to want to look for the best in everything. That's why when your heart breaks because you trusted someone and they broke that trust, your heart breaks. It feels like you lost a piece of your heart. So keep that symbolism throughout the whole story as we get back to explaining. So I'll let you get back to explaining. Yes. See, I didn't even pick up on that part, but I like that. I really do. I like the way you connected the dots like that. Now, when Raya started bonding with Namari, she felt the need to go ahead and let Namari in on where they happen to keep the gym. And you're thinking it's all good. And then Namari pulls off top 10 anime betrayals of the year <laughs> oh, and yeah. kicks her to the ground and was like, kick her in the back, by the way. She kicked her in the back and was like, oh, well, you know, in another timeline, we could have been friends, but you know how it is. Gotta take the gym. <laughs> and then yeah. uh, they start fighting a little bit. And then suddenly more Fang soldiers or assassins, whatever they're called, shows yeah, up trying to take the gym. <laughs> yeah. Fang is pretty much the tribe of assassins. So um, they show up. Chief Benja shows up. And then pretty much all the rest of the tribe shows up trying to fight for the gym. And what I like about this encounter was Benja was trying to stop all of this and was like, yo, we still have a chance to come together as one nation of Kumandra. Like, so please, let's not do this. And then somebody in the back with a crossbow was like, nah, fam. <laughs> Shoot him. How is that one person? The gunshot heard around the world. The crossbow shot that everyone knew. I don't know who shot first, but somebody shot first and we all got to fight. I don't know who shot first. But we all finna fight right now because somebody pulled the trigger and got trigger happy. <laughs> like, sometimes I, I'm looking at this movie because I'm wa- I watched it multiple times and I'm looking at this movie like, I wonder who sh- who did that shit? <laughs> who did that? <laughs> it was actually, it was actually, te- it was a funny thing was, it was a fang. It was a fang assassin. It had to be a fang, but I was like, who was that? <laughs> well, it was like just some random face. Yeah, he well, he was an assassin. He was actually one of the assassins that um that um she had called in when she got, when she tried to fight Raya. Anyway, remember she had called uh, in her she called her fame troops. He was one of the original that was there. So his job and his uh, duty was to attack. That's what they were specifically told to do by the chief fang. She told them that she's like, no matter what, we are leaving with this gym. You'll go like we all go, we want to try to prevent killing someone if we can, but if need be. Y'all are trained assassins. Y'all do what y'all supposed to do. So 
he enacted based upon his exact warrior intellect as he was told to do. I was told, shoot first, ask questions later. Homeboy did what he was supposed to do. (laughs) (laughs) Now, granted, that's that's the type of warrior you usually want, but in this case, was not the warrior we need. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, like, uh, all the fighting started, and as soon as that bolt his Chief Benja, then suddenly he fell to the ground. Raya tried to help him out. All the tribes rushed for the gym, and then they broke it, of course. Oh, wait. Next Real quick, he- before we get right into it, I have to mention how much I love Chief Benga's sword. Yes. The I was going to mention I- how it reminds me. I- I- soul caliber. <laughs> yes. Like, I-, I was just thinking, you know. It doesn't look exactly like that sword, but I just like it because, you know, the sword whip thing where he's like, just whip it around. Yeah, like, I just keep thinking Soul Calibur every time I see that sword. So that's what kept me entertained for the most part. Like, I just. (laughs) I mean, what I like. I mean, what I liked about the sword isn't just the fact that it extended. It was his use of it, because one of the things about it is this little fight scene showed how trained this dude was. Because during this time, he showed up just in time to fight the Fang Assassins. But remember, at this moment, all the other tribes people showed up right after that, too. Everybody saw the warning, saw the um, signal, and it was like, what is that? Let's all head there. Something's happening over there. We need to go be a part of it. We don't trust Hart. Hart's up to something. We all up here right now. And everybody showed up. And this dude, him and Raya, was like handling people like for a minute before they got overhandled. But still, it's the fact that it showed how trained they would try to keep them to how it was to protect this gym. The training mm-hmm. itself to me showed exactly how much there was such little trust with everybody. There was not, there was no talk, no jutsu doesn't work here. You need to know how yeah. to fight because <laughs> you are about to be, if you ever get overwhelmed, you will be overwhelmed. They're not going to stop. And you got to be able to handle these people straight up. But the way that he, his entrance was beautiful to me. It was so quick that it was easy to miss. But dude swung up to the mount- top of that mountain with the whip sword. The dude mm. swung his way into the into the doggone thing. <laughs> 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 I was like, hold on a second. I said, this dude knows how to use this weapon, so this dude is hold up. This too much. This little training training. Hold on. Yeah, man. <laughs> like you can tell, like see what. Chief Benja, he's not exactly young, but he's not super old either. So you can tell that he's most likely in his prime, where he has the experience to protect the gem with some serious skill, but he's not too old to kick some ass. That so part. he's right in his prime. Oh, absolutely. Humble is like ready for it. But yeah, my bad. I, I had to mention it about the sword and that training because that. I like martial arts, so that that to me was a big a big thing that I had to mention real quick. But what you got but where you was at, um, everybody jumped towards the gym and they dropped it and it shattered. Yeah. And honestly, if you wasn't gonna mention it, I was, so it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> now that happened, the drone run amok again, and funny enough, the drone is weak to water. Because, you know, fire, water. Yeah. Uh, 
during the, it's weak to water. So Benja has the idea to throw Raya into the water, into the river, so that way the Drew couldn't get to her. But at the cost of himself, he became, turned to stone by saving Raya. And for the next six years after that, Raya was traveling across Kumandra to try to summon Sisu. And funny enough, with the whole disappearance of Sisu, she did fall into the river and uh, floated downstream. But you're probably thinking, wait a minute, why did it take thick, excuse me, bubbles, gas bubbles? <laughs> why did it take six years to find Sisu? And you come to find out that there's hundreds of rivers in tail. Like when Namari tried to explain when she had that dragon scroll um, to Raya that there are hundreds of rivers uh, going downstream to tail. So it's going to take a minute just to find out uh, where she is. Well, one thing to keep in mind on to this, though. So one of the biggest things that I found very interesting how they did it into the story, I'm not sure if this was a mistake or on purpose thing into it. When Naraya and Raya was like talking, when Namari and Raya was talking, Namari had pointed out that the river flows from Fang to the tail. Like water flows from Fang to tail, which is also another symbolism as far as how the clans are all set up. But I'm not going to get into it just right now. But she pointed out that it was one of the rivers in tail that it would have had to flow to because that's how the water flows. When we, we jump six years and we look at Ryan, she's checking the map. If you pay attention, um, it's not when she's looking at the map. When she's looking at the map, all you see is all the rivers of tail that she's marked off that she hasn't checked yet, and she's on the final river. But when she gives the um, map, when the map goes back to um, goes back to Mari, and Amari opens up the map, if you pay attention to Fang and Spine and the other rivers, that's when you see that she's marked off all those other river- rivers too, meaning that Naraya didn't just didn't go to tail to try to only check tail. She checked, that's where, yeah, we realized that she checked every single river on that entire map to try to verify before she went to tail. But I found that one interesting because, I mean, Namari did point out specifically that the water runs from fang to tail. That's how the water flows. So I don't know why it is that Riot went all those other places instead of just going straight to tail. It could have cut off a couple years. Yeah, that's my whole thing. Like, that's the one nitpick. Well, not the only one, but that's one main nitpick I have about this movie to where I felt like they really needed an excuse to give Raya a time skip arc to where, okay, she's older now, so she's old enough to travel across Kumandra to get the other gems. But why did it take six years just to find the place that she needs to go to summon Sisu? Unless she needed more training in case she had to fight off the Kumandra. But keep in mind, she was practically by herself with um, Tuk Tuk um, until like she met up with Sisu. So I can only imagine... That not trying to make excuse for, but I can only imagine that the only other way this could make sense is if she needed the training to get the gems. Uh, but other than that, no, it doesn't make sense. Like 
it, it should have taken a lot sooner to get to where she needed to go to summon Sisu. But other than that, I guess it was like their excuse to give her, like, make her grow up a little bit more before the story truly kicked in. But if that yeah. was the case, you should have made her the, the age that she was supposed to be um, six years from um, now. She, you know, like, she's, um, I guess, adult now or at least a teenager. Like, yeah, Raya currently should have been the same person but when all that happened maybe six months instead of six years or not even six months but you know what I mean like yeah I guess just an excuse just give her a time skip I don't know yeah so the thing about it is what I've noticed because Disney has to be very mindful about what it is that they put out so one reason I, I really kind of paid attention to that is because I like some of the books that I've read that I like reading when it's like little teenage, like preteen stories, stuff like that, that are actually really good, are all owned by Disney. So I'm like, of course they're owned by Disney, of course. But I've noticed that specifically in order to try to tune into certain age groups, they have to be within certain ages. So I do feel like that time skip was kind of forced a little bit in the aspect that she had to be old enough, like she was young enough to understand betrayal at a young age. It nurtures and stays with her for a while. And then we have the time skip because now she's old enough to where, you know, now like when she gets into all these extra fights and stuff like that, it's going to be a big thing. It's, it's obviously important. So I felt like the time skip was kind of necessary, but with it being a six-year time skip was kind of like, okay, that's a push. Y'all just trying to get her to that age group because of what's about to happen in the story. So that's why it's like, uh, you know, those points into that. Yeah. But aside from that, I mean, it's still it's still enjoyable with the time skip, even working with it, because she's now at an age to where she has some maturity. And that's going to be a thing that's really important because it's not so much you have to unlearn that maturity, but you have to be mindful of how you matured. You could tell she matured through like she specifically matured through that act of betrayal versus maturing of being able to mature for her own rights. So being able to mature as a person. She matured in, I was betrayed, and now it's up to me to save everything by myself. Right. See, the only thing is, I just kind of wish they added more on to what she did with those six years instead of, oh, I just spent the past <laughs> six years looking for Sisu. That's all you did? Like, if that's all you did, then that doesn't make sense to me. But if you told me, like, okay, you trained a little bit, or, you know... When, well, hold on. Remember, Namari actually mentioned that. Namari mentioned that um, the map went missing, and that other lands, they have been noticing that people, that um, there's been someone trying to hunt after, there's been someone specific trying to hunt after their jewels. So, if you, like, when you pay attention into it, like, Raya Ray, Ray automatically knew where a lot of these gems were at. Like, she was there, and she was able to point out different things. So it wasn't just her searching in the river. She paid attention to every single land while she was there, how things were. Because when she got there, it wasn't anything new to her. It wasn't just okay. like, yeah. oh, I read yeah. this books. So I got that. No, she knew. She was like, I know what's going to happen here. I know what to look out for. I know what's going to happen. Like, she, she grew up living in each. She grew up experiencing each of these lands for their own way. So she was able to pay attention to that. So she did do more than just search the river. She she actually had to pay attention to where she was at 
and she got a more understanding of every single culture in itself. Okay. See, yeah. That's all I'm saying. Like, <clears throat> you're just going to throw people off if you're saying that, oh, I only spent the last six years just looking for the dragon. Like, no, nah, I don't believe that. I, I believe you did something else in between because no way it would have taken six years if you had even an inkling of an idea where Sisu could have been. So, yeah. Uh, but we're, we're trying to move on from that technicality. See, that's why it was a nitpick because you're just like, you didn't really explain everything she did in that six years. You just made it sound real simple. Oh, you know, she just, you know, spent the last six years looking for the dragon. I was like, please tell me that's not the only thing she did. <laughs> Actually, one of the things that my wife also had mentioned in to me as well, too, is that because you remember we paid attention, like one of the things we also was my, like we was nitpicking about the time skip. Remember, because she was like six years younger during the time when she got thrown off the bridge. So like she also was a child still at that time, even though she yeah. had training from her dad. Remember, she was still royalty. So she had to learn how to survive off the land, how to actually kind of live and things like that, too. So there was a little bit more. So there would be like that more growth period that had to be there as well. Like, she had to learn how to fend for herself, not just as far as, like, training and fighting, but fend for herself as far as, like, just people in general. But then also the yeah. drone. Because remember, she, she experienced six years that she did not get killed by any drone. How many people yeah. did not make it that far? Like, I'm talking yeah. about adults. Like, remember, we get to, much later on, we get to the people of Spine who are trained barbarians, the people of Tail who are, like, literally like desert hunters and stuff like that and they were nothing like they some of them didn't just try to fight didn't just try to fight the drone they tried to escape and tried to run away and they couldn't but she was able to successfully now granted some of that might be writing let's be honest but at the same time it's still she did successfully escape from that and that's that's a hard thing to fight like the drone multiply every single time they consume someone so by this point the whole land is inhabited by at least like a hundred thousand of them. Yeah, like, see, that's the thing. Like, that's why I can't really pick on this movie too much because I feel like if they actually explained it better, or at least gave it, gave her, fleshed out her character a little bit more to where she got some background on what she did in between those six years, not just you know, okay, she got thrown into the river. And then six years later, that's when the story's kind of kicking in. And that's cool and all, but I kind of wish there was like a little scene, like even if it was like two, three minutes long, just little scenes where, okay, she was doing a number of things in that six years. And then the story kicks in. Okay, I can believe that now because at least she was definitely doing something in between. And also with knowing the locations and all that, that makes sense too, and we're going to try to get into that. Um, but, yeah. I can understand just, that. I think I think we wound up getting that. I think the only thing about it is it's probably like, as far as like book to movie, remember we always talk about how when it comes to book to cinema, the cinema, yeah. because you only have like a certain period of time and there's so much fleshed out story that's there that you have to kind of rush it together versus in the books, you'll be able to extend it out. 
because of the movie just does extend out like it neat like does extend out like that like we actually did get even just some brief information about those six years then what wind up happening is we're going to get in a sense another justice league snyder cut four-hour movie here or we're going to get <laughs> doggone harry potter lord of rings multi-series <laughs> of her experiencing each of these different lands and then going back after she gets sisu in order to get the gym, in order to get the gym pieces. <laughs> so I think but, if you really want that expansion, we're gonna have to say read the book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's basically all I can say about that. But um I'm just gonna try to move on from that whole nitpick. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> Raya travels across Kumandra to summon Sisu and find her in a shipwreck in tail. Now when they do meet up, I like how there was immediately this comedic element. You know, like how there's always got to be some comic relief in the movie to kind of uh, brighten things up. So we find that in Sisu a little bit, and they have this little back and forth. But ultimately, Sisu, as soon as they meet, she had to come clean and say that she didn't create the gym, but instead what happened was the her other four siblings pretty much created the gym and kind of infused their magic into it and trusted Sisu to banish the rest of the uh, room. I and... <clears throat> I like the analogy they gave because not only does that fit to like kids of the age group for the movie, it'll fit to adults because how much ha- how much this also happens at work, and I know you can relate to this too with some of your job, as you, some of the jobs you've had and still have, is the fact that she's like imagine the fact that somebody else does all the work. Like imagine you're in the group, somebody else does all the work, and you're that person that just hangs out in the back giving moral support but doesn't do anything, but you turn in the assignment and get the same grade as everybody else, but you didn't do anything at all. She said that was me. <laughs> yeah essentially yeah and uh <laughs> I'm sorry I got a little thrown off a little bit <laughs> yeah but basically I like how Sisu came clean right away because what I like about Sisu is that unlike Raya who made it her thing to not trust anybody Sisu, just like Chief Benja, was very trusting of people. In fact, she felt the need to tell Raya, right off rip, yo, I'm not the dragon you think I am. I'm just going to tell you right now, I'm I'm just a strong swimmer. And she makes that point a lot in this movie. (laughs) I'm a really strong swimmer. And I was like, at least that one time with the boat, okay, Perfect example of be- that was a perfect time to be a really strong swimmer. And I'm like, okay, I'm gonna let you have that, but chill out with that reference. <laughs> we know you're a strong swimmer, you don't have to remind us every 15 minutes. I think they probably would have been more into it, considering the fact that, like, like that's her main skill, and it probably would have been like really handy in a lot of other different things. And that might be one of those cases where I'd be like, maybe the book kind of elaborates more into it. Like, hey, I'm a strong swimmer and her being a strong swimmer gets them out of situations or helps out along the way. 
But yeah, um, in the movie, there wasn't really much into it. It was just kind of her just reiterating that, hey, I'm not good with anything else. I'm just really good at swimming, and that's it. That's, uh... <laughs> so no, I can understand but, that. I think there might have been more to it, but I'm not. I'm not sure. I would have to like find the book series and read that and see if that was some like real importance into that. Okay. And well, you did like about it though, in a way, how essentially it was like this Mega Man type feel to it. You know, like those type of main characters where they don't really do much uh, right off the right out of the gate, but as as they conquer obstacles, you know, defeat bosses and all that, then they gain a new power after each stage. And that's pretty much what I got from Sisu to where every time she got a new gym piece, she gained a new ability. Yeah. I was like, okay, cool, cool, cool. So <clears throat> excuse me. So Raya and Sisu join forces to try to banish the Druin again. They already have one piece. <laughs> Get it? They yes. already got one piece. <laughs> and they try to receive the second piece. And what I like about this one is about when they try to go to this temple in Tail to get the second piece, it was this booby-trapped Indiana Jones-like temple. <laughs> Because yeah. basically, you had to traverse through it, and when they finally get to it, they see the skeleton with the gym piece in the hand, and all you got to do is take it. But like you said, Raya spent six years um, trying to do her uh, homework on these places, and she knew that the place was booby-trapped, so she got that stick and made sure that the uh, hand doesn't go anywhere. And then Cece was standing there like, uh, why are you doing all that? But then she started to notice a string. She followed the string to where it had that sand trap. Like, oh. So, yeah. yeah uh, you I like how you didn't. <laughs> I just really like how they didn't. You didn't. They didn't even have to, like, explain. It. Like, like uh, Raya didn't have to waste time explaining when Cece could have just noticed the string. And was like, oh, that's what you're thinking. Honestly, like, okay. If Sisu didn't notice, Raya still wouldn't have probably, probably still wouldn't say anything. She said, if you didn't see it, don't worry about it. We get we got the piece, let's move on. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I just like how they pretty much kind of explained that without really saying anything. It was like subtle explanation. That's what I liked. Like you didn't have to really say anything. You just, okay, that makes sense now. Why you would do that. But anyways, as soon as Raya gets the piece, that's when Namari, six years later, shows up. And uh, you can just tell these two are like best friends with the banter. <laughs> I'm joking, by the way. But you can just tell with the banter that they definitely have history together. And uh, they, Wright and Cece, try to escape by using the trap against Namari. And they managed to escape, and they ended up going down to uh, downtail and on the way to Talon. And they escaped into a boat owned by, well, 
I can't really say it's owned by because you know he's just a kid himself. But they meet um Boone. Yeah, that's uh, I was almost gonna fuck up the um pronunciation <laughs> for the boom. Hey, actually, really quick, um, because I wound up looking this up when I was watching the movie with my wife. I was because I was very interested in this about how Raya throughout the whole movie, every time she meets Namara, she always calls her, Hey Benturi, hey Benturi, you Benturi. And I'm yeah. sitting here like at first I was sitting here, I'm like, I was like, is she just calling her bitch and they just saying a whole different word? Like, hold on. No, 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 no. See, I like how you said that because Venturi and uh it was another word that they used. I like how they kind of make this inclusive language in this movie to where it's it's probably one of those things where, you know, with Chewbacca and R2 T R2 D2 from Star Wars. It's an actual Malaysian term. Oh, it, it's actually a word? Okay. What, yes. Like, I, I specifically looked this up during the movie because I had to figure out what it means. Benturi literally translates to traitor. It literally translates yeah, to traitor. It's, uh, sorry, Vietnamese. It's a Vietnamese word. Um, so it's, it literally translates to traitor. Okay. Because that's, no, that's what that she was. Sense. So, yeah. No, no I had to look at that specific... <laughs> The whole movie is actually based on just like how um just a quick reference, like how Avatar Last Airbender is based upon a lot of Chinese references, you know, Chinese different different Chinese Kung Fu styles and stuff like that too. And you know, a lot of like um different Middle Eastern different areas and stuff, like Asian areas. So Rai is the same thing. Like it's not just the fact that all the actors and stuff were all from a different from different parts of Asia as well, but the story itself was in a sense, like a Vietnamese writing is how it was set up. So, like, all those different terms that they kept using are all actual words in the other language. So, to someone else listening to it that's there, they'd be like, oh, yeah, that's exactly what it means. So she's right. Yeah, she definitely is a Venturi. She definitely is a Venturi. But then, to us over here in America, you don't really know it. You're just like, what? And I'm confused, so I wound up looking it up. And they actually had, like, articles. Like, you can actually read articles. Specifically, when I looked up that word, it automatically pulls up Ray and the Last Dragon. Like, a lot of people was very curious of that word because that was something that I was curious about. I'm sitting here like, is this a Disney movie trying to teach another word other than bitch to my... Like, I'm confused. I need to know this because it's, <laughs> it's the way she used it. It wasn't just the fact she's like, oh, it's a Ventura or it's Venturi or something like that. She's like, try it then, you Venturi. And I'm like, whoa, hold up. I could feel that. Hold on. <laughs> I said, this feels like so. Hold on a second. I said, did she? She just straight up slapped him in the face with this. Hold on, what is this? So I had to look it up. But yeah, no, it it was something I specifically looked up into it. But yeah, it's it's actually a real term. In Viet, it's a Vietnamese word. But yeah, it means traitor. And so you'll see her. You you'll hear her using this reference throughout the movie all the time because she's still hurt. Because. If you recall that that little talisman that she got of this made in the likeness of Sisu, you remember Raya had this talisman the whole time. She never lost it and let it go. Yes, it was remembrance that, oh, you betrayed me and I have to come back and get you. But it was also remembrance that you were someone that I trust as a friend. And you ruined that for me. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well. I guess I should have been more curious to know if Ben Tree was actually a word, but that's good to know. And 
it's funny that you say that now because now I can't help but look at Riot as that one stormtrooper from a Force, The Force Awakens, like Venturi instead of Traitor. Yeah. But um, okay. What was I? Yes, they meet Boone, <laughs> and the whole interaction with him was kind of funny. Like uh, that's why I say that. Um, as far as comment relief, uh, Boone is probably the second half of the comment relief. Like I would have said Sisu, but Boone is also pretty funny himself. So uh, I would say he's like the second half of the comment relief uh, in that group. But anyways, um, trying to speed things along because we don't yeah, have time to yeah. But um now, go ahead. Well, hold up. You you'll mention the characters, and I'm gonna just give quick references into why I was able to point out some of their importance into it. Boone, one of the things about it is he comes from a big family. He's used to he was used to always having so many people in the house. It was him, his mom, sister, brother. Like he had he had siblings and stuff like that. He was not an only kid. To going to being by himself. So one of the things to mention is is the fact that he was in a sense like a young Raya, because he also had learned how to fend for himself, but because Rhea was trained as a warrior, trained to defend, trained as an adventurer, she wound up using that because that was all that she had to kind of work along with. Versus Boone, his family had a restaurant. It was a boat restaurant. That, that's what they had. So the only thing that he learned how to do was cook good food. He was like, that's all I know how to do. I don't know how to fight. I don't know how to defend myself. All I could do is just stay on this little boat and people come by and be like, you want some food, bro? Some food for you for some good coin. Let's go and kind of move forward. So his character was really important in that aspect of he had to find ways to try to amuse himself because he wound up being by himself for a long time. He went from having a huge family to having no one. Yeah. Yeah. That's one character development to keep in mind onto it too. There's a lot more that could have been touched into his, but like I said, again, book stuff. And <laughs> but yeah, that, that was a quick thing about Boom. And next person. Now, I was going to say that uh, once they meet Boone, they arrive at Talon to claim the third gem shard. They encounter the toddler con artist, Noi, <laughs> and her trio of monkey-like companions, the Ongis, who practically adopted Noi after the Droom petrified Noi's mother. Mm-hmm. And the whole interaction was like how Noi was just crying in this back alley and right, uh, went over to you know check things out, and then Tuck Tuck got distracted by the Ongis, and you know how it is. Next thing you know, the gym pieces are being um, stolen by the Ongis, and Noi was in on it. So yeah, uh, I like how Riot was basically like really a con baby. Like, <laughs> well, keep in mind, like you know, she's a baby who. She only had her mother, and now that her mother's gone, she was practically uh, living on the streets, and the only family she really had was these monkeys. So she pretty much, like Raya, had to like learn to fend for herself. And if that means she has to steal some shit just to um, stay alive, then I guess that's what she got to do. That's true. Keep in mind on one thing too: it's not so much just a baby. This was a toddler. So yeah, this toddler, is like, like because it was like maybe she was a baby. Before the time skip, and now she's like at least five or four or five years old. No, no, she she was little. She was only like three. 
She's probably only like three really? years old. Yeah, there wasn't something like she was really, really little toddler. One thing to keep in mind into it for one, still had a diaper on. So one thing to keep in mind into that is, you know, once most kids reach a toddler age, you're starting to put them in like training pants, even in older, even in different other countries and stuff like that. There was like different shifts of different types of underwear, different types of things that they would put on their children before they finally were able to, you know, hold their own and stuff like that before different type for those different things. So one thing to keep in mind is that it was a toddler because not only could this baby walk, this baby could run and this baby damn near outran right. <laughs> I'm talking about <laughs> jumping off rooftops, jumping off walls and shit and some ninja, some ninja style stuff. And you're like, yo, wait a minute. <laughs> Monkey Kung Fu, hold on. Like, this too much. <laughs> so, but, so that's one thing to keep in mind, too, is that the baby, no. like, it was a toddler because it's old enough to be able to understand that. <laughs> Bro, like, I'm sorry, but you remember watching Kim Possible and there was that, that one monkey villain, and I forgot yes. his name, but yeah, I was thinking him, and then it was like that monkey food, and even Ron Stoppable learned that. I'm thinking that. I was like, yo, just imagine Dude. you had that monkey food going on for her. I'm also thinking about the fact because in middle in the Middle East, it's one of the biggest things. Remember Journey to the West? Like it's one of the biggest things that a lot of people reference off of that so many times and stuff. Like, you know, you have the monkey king. So, like this little baby, this little baby knew how to do some stuff, man. Like, this little to- like little kid knew how to do some stuff. But yeah, no, it was a toddler. It was a little bit older because the baby had an understanding. But you also can understand that the baby had to be a long time without her mother because as old as the child could be in order to be able to walk and run like that, that toddler should have some words. But he, but she did not. Which means that, yes, she was a baby when her mom was petrified. However, the monkeys raised her, and so she only just knows how to communicate through different things. She can focus, she mm. can nod her head, she can point out different stuff, but she didn't have a language. So you could tell for her, she had to have at least a year, I would probably say at least a year, where she went from baby to toddler with these monkeys to be able to learn how to defend herself. Mm. Yeah. I'm, I might be overlooking into it, but having four kids now, like it, it becomes different when you can really pay attention to some of those details. You're like, huh, nah, I said, nah. this baby's walking, running, but she ain't got no words, like none. She didn't even know her, like, remember, she didn't even know her name. And another character that we're about to meet, we're about to talk about, pointed out, she's like, he's literally just pointed out, he said her name is Nami. You didn't even know, it's written on her. Y'all didn't even pay attention and y'all think that I'm neglectful? I said, wow. <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> See, that makes sense to me because not to say that, oh, well, you know, if a baby can do it, so can you. But keep in mind that... Some martial arts t- uh, studios, you know, when you go in there and you want to get like a white belt and you want to work your way up to a black belt, it mm-hmm. honestly doesn't take very long to be a black belt. But at the same time, you're trying to be like a 10th degree black belt. Oh, yeah, that's going to take you a minute. But it really doesn't take you that long to um, rank up. So I can't imagine that it can take a good year for her to at least know how to defend herself. Oh yeah, but but learning a language, yeah, um, that's what school is for, and you know, learning, you know, whether it's like home learning or whatnot, having a mother teaching, yeah, just just yeah, just parenting. Like babies learn to talk through their parents, 
So you could tell this child was without, but that's how you could tell. That's why I was like, you could tell that she didn't have words. Like she knew mama. A baby knows mama. Like my little baby boy, he's not even a year yet. He's he's trying to walk. That's how I'm able to really kind of make that analogy. He's not toddler. He he's he's still trying to walk. He's not there yet. But he can say Dada and Mama. He can say that. He can look at us and identify differently who we are and stuff like that. So she could say Mama, but that was it. That's why I was like, she had to be real young when her mom was petrified. <laughs> so that's why right. I was like, Ooh. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so uh, quick, just, real quick, do you have like thirty more minutes? Because I I got a few more notes, and I feel like at this point, uh, we going off tangent on that. Uh, I'm not going to be able to get through all of them um, and you not being on the show. So, do you got 30 more minutes? Uh, not really. I looked at what time my wife definitely told me. It's not not quite 30. Oh, man. That, like, like I said, I'm sorry. This this movie hit me hard because I pay attention a lot. To, <laughs> like, I told you, a lot of books that I've read, like a lot of some of the books that I've read, some of the fantasy stuff I read, and I'm like, dang, the stories is like really good. Come to find out Disney, of course, owns it. And, you know, when Disney decides to make a good doggone animated movie like this, like there's so many details into it. And that Disney and Pixar are known for that. They're known for putting details in that you easily can overlook. But when you slow down, you look at it and you're like, hold on, this detail was here. This detail was here. This detail was here. And you're like, wait a minute. There was so much into this. And you're like, whoa. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, let me try to blaze through my notes, and then I'm just going to let you add on to your notes, and we'll just go from there. Gotcha. Uh, starting uh, where I left off, basically, they met Noi after a chase. Raya recruits Noi and the Ongis into the group, while Sisu encounters the talent chiefess, who offers Sisu up to the Droom for the other gem pieces. So, basically, Sisu felt betrayed, too. But she didn't take that personally like Raya did. Now, Raya rescues Sisu and reclaims the third gem piece, which granted Sisu the ability of fog breath. The group arrives at Spine and meets Tong, the sole survivor of the village. Namari arrives then, and Raya faces her in a battle while the others try to escape. The two fight off, and the choreography is pretty good. I kind of wish it was a little bit longer, a little bit more perilous for Raya and all that. Like, you know, a little bit more high-octane, but I understand it was like a little short scene. But, you know, I like the choreography and all that. I like this now, because it was a good setup. Now, the fight scene between Raya and Namari later on in the movie, this lets you know that this fight scene was specifically meant to be nothing. Namari was not trying to kill Raya. Raya was not really trying to really fight back at this point. You don't, this was not that fight. This was just one that was just there. It was meant as a stall. Right. And before Namari can defeat Raya, Sisu rescues Raya from Namari while in her dragon form. So she revealed herself. And the stare down between Namari and Sisu was very interesting to me because you can see the tears in Namari's eyes. Like, she was awestruck and kind of terrified um, to see Sisu before her. And Sisu just looked in her eyes and was like, you know what, for some reason, I can trust you. It was kind of like Goku and Broly to where Goku was looking at Broly like, you know, we face a lot of enemies, but I don't think you're one of them. And that's the same kind of look, you can, I guess you can say, Sisu had for Namari. So 
Sisu decided to just leave him alone, run away, and they try to reconvene onto the boat. That's when the rest of the group finds out Sisu is actually a dragon. And this is another point to where Raya should have trusted the team more because she pretty much told Sisu to only stay in human form. Like, she didn't even really want to tell them the plan here. Like, all she really told Boone was, yo, just go to Talon. That's all you need to know. Uh, That's pretty much like the whole Obi-Wan thing on talking to Han Solo to where it's like, hey, just a couple of people need to get to where they need to be. We're going to pay you. But no questions asked. And it was like, okay, say no more. But like, no, it's not like that. You got to learn to trust people. Uh, now, well, remember, anyways. They didn't think Boone was really going to come along with them. Boone was only supposed to get into Talon. That was it. It was only supposed to get them to the next part of Talon. That was it. And then they were supposed to ditch him at that point. But they wound up having no choice but to come back. But yeah. so, so it, it, I understand the aspect because for that moment, it wasn't a you weren't supposed to get involved. Unfortunately, you did, but you weren't supposed to. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry, I got a little derailed, but okay, I'm back to where I need to be. So they find out who uh, that Sisu is actually the Sisu Datsu. And after learning that, even then, the companions agree to help. And that's when Tong decides to hand over the fourth piece, which lets Sisu control the rain. Now, the group gets closer to Fang now. They want that last piece. And while Boone suggested this high-octane, you know, almost like spy movie-type infiltration and shit, Sisu went in the opposite direction and was like, what if we just suggest an alliance with Namari? And it, it almost felt like Raya, you know that one meme to where um, they have that meeting and then Raya just standing there, all right, how are we going to do this? And then Boone is like, we just go... Um, with fists flying and kicks flying and all that. And then there's Sisu at that very end. It's like, what if we just form an alliance and then, you know, like, right, just throw out the window. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here with that shit. <laughs> I'd rather go with Boone's plan shit. <laughs> oh, God. You're here to save the world, not die. What's wrong with you? <laughs> but no, no, no. Uh, even though Raya kind of refused that, Sisu was insisting on it. In fact, she went as far as taking Raya back to the remains of heart and show her a little bit more truth to what happened with the dragons 500 years ago. And learning all this, Raya eventually caves in reluctantly and decides, you know what? Let's give an alliance a chance. And she's like, yay! Trusting people. <laughs> and it's like, do you know what to give her? And I was like, you know what? I got the perfect gift. Which is that pendant that Namari gave Raya. Yeah. So, where was it? Okay. So the two of them meet up with Namari. And by then, because you know that whole scene with Namari and her mother, Verona. Namari is now torn between her responsibility to save Fang's reputation and her wish to help defeat the Droom. So she was at that point with the crossbow, and she was like, you don't understand. I want I want to help, but I also got to help my people, you know? <coughs> Ooh, excuse me. And 
Sisu stands up and I was like, whoa, hold on. Let's just work things out, okay? And then Namari was still a little, you know, trigger happy. You know, like she, it looked like she was about to pull the trigger. And Raya noticed that. And she was like, no, used the sword whip to try to knock the crossbow out of her hand. But I don't, she, she wasn't not, really going Yeah, that's not really what wound up happening. So, yeah. and, and just like, yeah, just, we were doing this quick raise into it, but this was one that I actually had a deep, actually had a really deep discussion about in this one, because this one, Disney also decided to touch on parental control and parental abuse, because literally, Namari wanted to try to trust Raya. Namari went specifically to tell her mom, mom, you won't believe it. I saw, you won't believe what I saw. And her mom literally said, you saw a dragon. Specifically, you saw Sisu, the last dragon. Yes. Yes. But I understand. She's like, so we can turn the world back to peace again. We can take the world back to where it's supposed to be. And there was so much touch base into this because it touched on political because of the fact that like, if we had world peace, everyone would be equal. There'll be no more advancement. One of the things specifically about Fang and how the river flows, the river flows from Fang to the tail. So, you know, it's always like everyone talks about head being the leader and tail being the follower, being the very end and stuff. Head was the most technologically advanced of everybody. And they were the first to receive water. They're the first of everything. So that's why they they saw themselves as being that uppity high and mighty. And they wanted to stay that way. If there was world peace and everyone was equal, there would be no longer the hierarchy of one atop of the other. And Fang loved being that atop everyone. If you pay attention to the clothing that they put into him, the jewelry that they put onto him, Fang had presentation of everything. They were represented in a sense of like godlike, of Egyptian mm-hmm. godlike. If you really pay attention into it, Egyptian god, um, shogun, shogunate, um, geisha, like they were specifically dressed to look like we are above all. And that's how that mindset. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) No, no, you're good. But but that's what it was. And that was that mindset into it. So we have that political aspect of people want to stay on top. You know, Disney was one of those things that finally did have a quick explanation about racism and why racism is so strong. Because it was like, we can all be equal. But then let's be honest. A lot of people of color and different races have been honest. It said there's one thing we can be equal, but it's never going to work if there's always going to be someone who wants to be on top. If there's always someone who wants to be better than somebody else, that ideology is going to stay and we will never, ever attain true peace. And that was exactly what happened here. Namari saw this finally in her mom. She was hoping that, oh, really what's happening is, is that my mom wants to bring Fang as the main so we can bring everyone up to speed and we can all be unified in a different way. But really, she found out my mom just wants to be on top and she wants everyone beneath her. And that was what she was struggling with. Because then on that moment, she can also tell, like I mentioned about the parental abuse, where instead of Namari being able to be herself, she geeked about loving dragons. Raya geeked about loving dragons. Her dad allowed that. He allowed Raya to be her own person. But if you pay attention, Namari was not allowed to be herself. She was only allowed to be that which her mom made her. You could not be anything than what, other than what I tell you to be. And that, wow. that was one of the most 
crucial things into it. Like, honestly, I could go even further into it, but I know I don't have a lot of time. But this scene, that scene between Namari and her mom was extremely, extremely crucial to the story because that is what set off that balance, that imbalance in Namari. That was that Kylo Ren, the whole like the light Jedi, dark Jedi, like Sith Lord, like, can I really have light and darkness? Can I find a balance? What she wanted was, she's like, I want to save the world, but I can't betray my mom because it's my mom. It's my home. I can't do that. But at the same time, I can't just say no to trying to bring peace because I know that that's the right thing. And that's where my heart wants me to be at. Again, reference my heart, heart, Raya, heart. Get it, right? Yeah, <laughs> it was so much symbolism in this fucking movie, and if you pay attention also into the main thing into it too, Namari did not want to shoot. Namari didn't. Yeah. It looked like she was about to shoot, but that's not what happened. You could see in her eyes that she was, she was like, "I have to," but wait, I can't. And if you really pay attention to her finger, her finger didn't squeeze the trigger. Her finger gripped the grip, but it loosened off the trigger. Her finger lifted up. And her hand tightened. It wasn't to shoot, but nervousness. Sisu saw this. Raya didn't. All she saw was grip and you're about to shoot and went. And if you pay attention yeah. on that aspect. When she hit the crossbow, the crossbow wound up shooting. And if you pay attention to how it shot, the crossbow didn't, didn't stay in the same area. It moved over. Meaning also Namari was not going to shoot Sisu. Even if she was. She was not going to shoot Sisu. She right. didn't shoot Sisu until the crossbow got moved to the side from the hit. And that's exactly yeah. why this Namari got so upset. She was like, you didn't even trust. You didn't have any idea of what was really happening. And that was like such a crucial thing because when she, when the crossbow moved and she wound up pulling the trigger, she shot Sisu. Specifically, she shot, shot Sisu in the heart. The heart of yeah. trust. My heart was shattered from the lack of trust. But the lack of trust was not Namari. The lack of trust was Raya. That's what yep. caused to get hit. Yeah. And at that point, Namari fatally shoots her. Uh, Raya gets a little mad, but she gets mad at Namari because she assumed that it was always Namari's fault. But like you said, um, Namari told Raya that you got it all wrong. Um, Sisu was shot because of you. Like, if only you trusted Namari enough uh, in the first place, then, well, not in the first place, but, you know, like, at that moment. Trusted Sisu, what Sisu was doing in the first place, you have understood that she was getting... Yeah, so, in other words, um, she was so ready to, for betrayal that she just didn't trust Namari to not shoot. So, with that being said, uh, once Sisu was killed, the pretty much nothing was stopping the Drune as uh, unless you recombine the gems, the gem pieces. Uh, and while the companions were trying to rescue people uh, of Fang from the Drune, Raya goes off to fight Namari again. Now, and with rage and all that, Raya fights and um, defeats Namari. She wanted to kill her, but 
that's when Namari gave the whole speech about how it was actually Raya's fault that Sisu died. Uh, and then Raya just thought to herself, uh, you know, looking at herself through the blade and the reflection of the blade and, you know, ultimately realized, yeah, it was her fault. So now she decides to trust Namari. Uh, they try to move to where the companions are. And she had the plan to recombine the gems. And Boom was pretty much on the same page as Raya at first, where pretty much none of them could trust Namari. But, you know, Raya, ironically, the one person that could trust anybody, decided, you know, if I learned anything from this experience, it's that you gotta learn how to trust people. So she took the initiative and gave up her piece, turned to stone, and eventually Noi, Boon, Tong, the Ongis, they follow suit to give up their pieces to Namari. And then Namari was the only one left. The dream was closing in. She all she could have escaped. There was a, a sliver of escape, but she was like, you know, I gotta do the right thing. Like Sisu wanted this, you know, because you know, Raya and all the others trusted her to finish the job kind of like how Sisu, I mean how Sisu's siblings trusted Sisu to do her job to advance the dream so you know it's kind of referenced towards that to where now it's Namari's turn to you know follow through so she connects the final piece of the gem she turned the stone and you're thinking it's all done like you thought the dream won but nope that was when that sliver of hope shows up and the gem shines. The drone is banished. Everybody comes back to life, including the dragons, including Sisu. They all gather together at heart. They have this big celebration because they're now Kumandra again. And the dragons are dancing around in the sky. Everything's all good. In Boone the story, goes and, Boone goes back. He meets his family. Um, no, no, Nami goes. So she meets. She meets her mother. Um, dude goes back, and he finally meets his um baby and stuff. I must be honest with you, man. That that was the hardest scene to me when they first introduced my dude in the spine. Like when they realized the fact, they said, "Wait, wait, you had a baby." That's mm, why you take yeah. it up to this baby. had a baby. Yeah, it's like you had a baby, and your baby's gone. So yeah, my baby got turned to stone. So then, you know, he wound up bonding with Nami and stuff. And I'm like, oh, now I'm not going to lie to you. Like, y'all, that that scene when everyone got turned to stone, I broke. I, I was shocked when Raya got turned to stone. I was like, wait, what? And then you got Boone gave up his piece then went to Raya and then like turned to stone on her leg. But when when my dude was holding the baby, oh, my God, me and my wife. Yeah. We had to look away and say, no, we can't. Like, I know the baby's not technically dying. She's just turning the stone. And if it works, the baby's going to come back. So it's not technically dying. But that was a hard scene to watch because it felt like you was watching the little baby girl die. And I was like, Disney, you pulling my strings way more than this, man. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this might hurt more than Mufasa's death, bro. Hold on. <laughs> I was like, oh, wait, hold up. <laughs> oh, oh, God, wait, no. <laughs> Not the baby. Not the baby. Oh, oh, the baby is gone. 
the baby is gone. The baby and the monkeys. Oh, Jesus, no. <laughs> I'm tearing up right now thinking about it. Like, that was a real scene, bro. I was like, oh, hold on. That's not what I signed up to watch. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to watch no baby die. This is not what I meant to watch. Disney, what is going on? <laughs> but yeah, like, that was pretty much <laughs> that was pretty much right in the last dragon. Now I got some last minute notes, and then I'm gonna let Kugiasu say his notes, and we're gonna go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, moral of the story: trust others. Okay, trust others. And while Sisu and Benja was very trusting of others, Raya was very hesitant to trust others, especially what happened to her father and uh, Namari and everything that's gone happened. And even before I say that, nobody can truly be trustworthy because, you know, people are going to be people. But to say Kumandra, Raya learned that some she had to trust strangers and even an enemy in order to save her land. So it's kind of ironic but this is perfect examples of how positive change arcs, such as Raya and Namari to an extent, and how flat change arcs, such as Sisu and Benja, are used to drive a story. See, Raya and Namari are the type of people who are positive change arcs to where they have this lie that they believe in, but the story changes them to where now the narrative is different for them. And meanwhile, you have Sisu and Benja, who are flat change arc. They aren't supposed to really have character development. In fact, they're the ones who give other people character development. So Sisu and Benja had to be the main p- two people who kept telling Raya, you gotta learn to trust people. I know people are, can be people, but sometimes you still gotta trust somebody. You know what I mean? You can't just be going around being all hyper-independent. Uh, because, you know, no man's an island. Now, the comedy is acceptable. You know, it had that typical Disney-matic sprinkled on to where you can you can tell it's a Disney movie. Even I went as far as like, okay, they have chief and chiefesses. And I like how they reference Namari as Princess Namari. And I'm looking at this like, remember, this is a Disney movie. So... Really, Namari is just the chiefess's daughter of Fang. So, does that mean that Prince Princess Namari yeah. and Princess Raya are Disney princesses? Yes, they are. I have Lon's <laughs> a Disney princess, and she never really became a princess. Let's be honest here; she never became a princess. <laughs> but she's yeah, we need like an Asian princess. princess. So let's we get two now. <laughs> now. No, go ahead. Go ahead, real quick. No, no, you get. I'm like, we get more now than that. But no, um, yeah. is is that all? Do you have any more notes, or is that all you got so far? I got a few more, but it's gonna be real fast. Basically, I'm okay. saying that the primary characters, you know, Raya, Noi, Boone, all of them, they pretty much have their own personality, so it doesn't feel like no one's just useless. Everyone serves a purpose to some extent in this movie, which is good. The pacing is also good. I did not feel bored at all watching this movie even multiple times because it still kind of holds up strong to where it's like the comedy is not too oversaturated and the main moral of the story is so strong in this movie that it's a good movie to watch no matter uh, with the family and all that 
the sword whip, I again uh, reminds me of Ivy from Soul Calibur. I love that sort of thing. And the last point I was going to make was that I like how with the movie they focus on water dragons, but the way they describe the drone is the same way how dragons are typically stereotyped, you know, being like fire breathing plagues on the land, um, turning everyone into ash and stone. So it's kind of almost like the drone are supposed to be like the opposite of dragons, but you know, you're kind of describing the typical way we describe dragons, you know, fire breathing terrors in the sky. But uh, it, it was just funny to me. <coughs> okay. And that's it. That was all my well, Let me pick up right where you left off into because out of everything you just said, I mean, I've already touched base onto everything. Only one quick thing into it um, is the existence of drone and the dragons. So the dragons bring magic to the land. Everyone believed that dragons was the source of all magic. You pay attention, no matter what type of fantasy that you're in, everyone still believes that dragons are the main source of magic. Like, no matter what type of fantasy, it's always that ma- dragons are the main source of magic. If you kill off all dragons, magic will flow away from the land. There will never be any magic anymore. Everyone believes that. And I, being present in Fantasy Zone, I have to dive into this. This is one of those things that I've heard it so much, and then hearing it in this movie, I need to figure this out. Why is it that dragons are so much the source of all magic, especially considering the fact that, like, you know, we talked about elves and how I'm still working on that article about the elves and how elves are magic living, magic incarnate and stuff like that. So there's so much more to this. What's up with this whole thing about dragons being the source of all magic? I got to figure this out. But going into that is also the drone. They actually did touch base into the drone, but it was such a quick touch base that if you missed it, you just missed it. But Sisu, it did explain it very briefly. Boone asked, like, what are the drones? And Sisu, in a quick explanation, was just like, there's lack of trust. There's hate, all malicious intent that was inside of human hearts that manifested into real life things. So to keep in mind that if magic exists, there's all forms of magic, light magic, dark magic, whatever the case may be. But I'm even going to take a step back and just real life here so we can go ahead and close out. This was a real aspect of telling how much lack of trust and how much divide can really destroy the earth. In this case, it became a physical manifestation in the world. If you pay attention, people didn't die from the drum. Their soul was was taken away by by the madness and their bodies were petrified into stone, left to just stay there until they finally got their souls back. Until finally... That moment of trust broke the cycle and people were able to become themselves again. There was much more to just the drone than that simple explanation. The drone is the literal manifestation of hate that we have for each other. Literally. Imagine hating someone so much that you created an evil spirit that that went around not just terrorizing the person that you hated, but terrorizing you everyone you loved, everything. And that is actually true of how much hate can really affect us. It is very possible to hate someone so much that you take that same hateful energy that you have for that person and throw it to everyone else around you and throw it to everyone else that you love, not even realizing it. Hate is very strong and can be uncontrollable. There is no real way to control that. It is like a fire. 
it burns. And if it gets enough oxygen, it's going to turn to wildfire. It's going to burn everything. You can literally destroy yourself and the people around you because of the amount of hate that you may have for one person or one thing. So the hardest thing about it is to drop the hate, but it's something that really has to happen. And then the last thing to mention in, do not be Namari's mom. (laughs) This is a a real thing that happens in real life, and a lot of parents don't realize it. You can poison and hurt and destroy your kids with your ideologies. Do not try to live your life through your kids. Let your kids be themselves. We are all human beings. (laughs) Now, granted, I may personally not agree with everything about how the whole you can't tell your baby what gender they are. They have to decide how that is. I'll be honest, I'm on a different scale into that. But I do understand that whole give your kids a chance to be themselves. Let your kids experience their personalities. Let your kids live their own lives. Let your kids be themselves. Because you have no idea how much poison you can put inside of your kids by forcing your ideologies on them. Now, granted, you will teach them right for wrong. Yes, but at the same time, do not destroy your kids because you have such a heartfelt view on one thing. Racism is real. It started off with a hateful ideology. It started off with one person wanting to be on top of another and finding something to belittle them about. And it became something as simple as skin color. There are so many different aspects of that happening in every single point in life. Do not let that poison future generations. We have the opportunity to put a stop to it. But just like how it was Raya, it's going to take even at least one person from every single community to kind of make that difference. But we still have to try. Right. And I like the way you put that about hatred and poisoning, because remember, I'm collecting Funko Pops, and recently I've gotten the uh, spirit version of Aang from Avatar The Last Airbender, and I included a quote that's funny enough that what you were saying reminded me of that quote. Here's what Avatar Aang said on Avatar The Last Airbender on, you know, that Nickelodeon show. He said that the monks used to tell them that revenge is like a two-headed rat viper. While you watch your enemy go down, you're being poisoned yourself. So, yeah, just like the dream. Like, imagine you hate somebody so much. You're plotting and twisting their downfall so much that, yeah, you might see your enemy go down, but you're also killing yourself and other people around you uh, where it's almost like you're not even the same person anymore because you're so consumed with hatred and revenge. You're, you got so much poison in the mind that you're poisoning other people um, by proxy. So you got to let go of the hate. You got to let go of this idea of revenge. Yes, I know what they did was fucked up. I know they shouldn't get away with that thing, but that's what karma is for. In fact... Kokugasa, you already know how there is somebody that we know where, yeah, there was this one thing that they did that was super fucked up, but funny enough, 
years later, the same thing happened to them. And personally, I was like, it's unfortunate, but I also thought it was hilarious because the karma was real. was like, I didn't think the exact same thing was going to happen to them. And I was like, ooh, that karma's delicious. <laughs> but yeah, that's what, that's what karma's for, man. Like, if karma will fix them for you, then you don't need to be out there hating and plotting revenge on anybody. Just let the universe punish them if they deserve that punishment. You know what I mean? So that's all we're trying to say. Like, trust others. Get rid of all this animosity in the world because I really, that's how the world's getting all fucked up how it is now. We just have so much hatred, animosity, lack of trust in other people that we're becoming hyper selfish to a point where we just can't trust anybody and a world that's not united is just a world full of chaos like we're always at war with each other to a point where we're never going to get anything impactful done and we're too busy at each other's throats like this so that's why i don't like how a lot of people are like oh just be you all on your own and i was like I understand being able to stand on your own, but I feel like you're going to need some friends. So that's the whole thing with the zone. Like, I can find success on my own, but I'd rather work with a team because, you know, let's get the bat together. You know what I mean? Like, let's make the world better together. That's true. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) But uh, you got any final words? Now, that's all the time that I have for today. Biggest thing about it is for me, just, again, like I mentioned, love yourself. Give everyone, give, I understand that everyone feels like they need a chance, but it's up to you to try to put that hate aside. I personally am learning this lesson myself of someone that I truly dislike that I'm having to kind of just take a step back and put in some trust into. If I can do it, I know you can do it. Would it take would it be as easy? Obviously not, but still, just give it some time, try what you can, move forward. Right. And with that said, this has been Jet Black Extreme and Kokugasu with the review of Riot and the Last Dragon. Stay tuned for more episodes coming up because we're definitely gonna be working on Sonic the Hedgehog Extreme Review, talking about yes. multiple games under that franchise, some of the shows that include you know sonic x and sonic underground we're even going to talk about that sonic the hedgehog movie that came out last year and the sequel coming next year so until then stay tuned my friends great things are coming and also trust others just saying